Yeah, there was this thing I read where like, you know, like if you're building a house, you don't focus on building the house first, right? Or you, you don't go in on day one, you say, look, I'm going to build this house perfectly. What you do is you you start like with the foundation. So you pick up a brick and you, know, you look at the brick and you're like, okay, well, how can I place this brick as perfectly as a brick can be placed? And then if you do that every day, then after, like before you know it, you've learned how to build that house or like that house is like flourishing. Do you know what I mean? That was this week's guest, Dr. Andrew Cheng. This is the Newbie Dentist Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Omid Azami. Andrew is an amazing young and up-and-coming dentist here in Australia, and I had the privilege of getting to know him over Instagram, and last year when travel was still possible, he was down in Melbourne for a course, and we got to meet in person and hang out a little bit over the lunch breaks and coffee breaks. And Andrew is someone I truly look up to as a superstar associate. He is someone who takes investing in himself and in CPD very seriously and has completed many formal structured learning pathways, which has really allowed him to get the most out of clinical practice and be able to take on ever trickier and harder cases. He's completed a postgrad dip in orthodontics, he's completed a postgrad certificate in dental implantology, and he frequents Seattle where he attends COIS and he's been learning and working through the COIS education modules as well. In this week's episode, we talk about CPD and the importance of investing in yourself. We even touch on topics of how to get the most out of mentorship and how to be a successful associate, and also touch on mental and physical well-being and the importance of self-care in terms of becoming a successful clinician. This week's episode is brought to you by Ivoclar Vivident. Ivoclar is one of the world's leading and most innovative dental companies, offering a comprehensive range of products and systems that provide you with new opportunities in dentistry. For even a more aesthetic and efficient result and better dental care for your patients, be sure to check out Ivoclar, their academy, and the products and services that they offer at ivoclarvivident.com.au. Making people smile is what they do. Without further delay, enjoy this amazing episode with my good friend, Dr. Andrew Chang. Welcome to the Newbie Dentist Podcast, giving a voice to young clinicians worldwide. The Newbie Dentist Podcast aims to be the dental industry leader in in-depth, informative and motivational interviews with some of the world's leading clinicians, academics and experts with your host, Dr. Omid Azami. So I'm here tonight uh, with one of my good friends, Dr. Andrew Cheng. Uh, Andrew, I've been following your work on Instagram for a long time, and we you know, got to messaging and, and kind of connected that way. It was, and had the opportunity to actually meet you in person last year when you were in Melbourne for a course. And you know, just, it's been amazing to you know, see the work that you're producing and the, the level of advancement and um, big cases, and also the dedication to like, education that you have and seeing all these courses and more structured programs and things, which uh, I'm excited to get into. Normally, how I start these days with you know the origin story. So, just if you can take us back, you know where you're from, uh, why you got into dentistry in the first place, and then we'll kind of take things from there. Yeah, man. Thanks, Omid, for having me on. Um, it's been a while since I caught up, but it's like you know good to hear that you're staying safe and you know that you're still keeping busy. Um, origin story: I was born overseas. I'm from Hong Kong originally. Uh, moved to Melbourne when I was two, and then after I 
did school, I went up the, um, the Gold Coast actually. So I moved up there for uni. So I started at Griffith. Um, did my five years there of dental school. Um, absolutely loved the Gold Coast. It was very, very different from what I was used to. And then moved up further north um, to a place called Townsville, which is a tropical North Queensland, like, you know, right next to next to Cairns. Um, and I've been there since since graduation. So this is the fourth year now. I told myself I'd move there for, and I'd stay there for three years. Now it's the fourth year. <laughs> Things are going well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. Like, I'm doing okay. <laughs> awesome. So what, uh, what, you know, what made you get into dentistry in the first place? Was that one of something you were considering for a long time or it just kind of happened that when you were applying and just chose to land into dentistry? Yeah, um, good question. I actually never wanted to be a dentist. Um, so growing up, I always wanted to do something in healthcare cause I really like people. Um, so, uh, I, I, I was really gunning for like medicine. So I was really like hoping to get into med, but then, you know, my, my grades and stuff were, were pretty good, but then, um, like, you know, I applied to some place, but I just didn't, didn't get any offers that I was pretty happy with. Like I didn't really get into any sort of ideal places. Um, so then my brother was like, you know, why don't you try for dentistry? And I, like, I hadn't ever, ever considered it because I was like, man, what do I do? Cause I was so focused on this one goal. Cause my, my brother's a doctor as well. So I sort of had that experience. I talked to him too. And then he's like, man, why don't you try dentistry? Like, you know, you like working your hands and stuff like that. So I, asked, I was like, you know, I'll just give it a crack. And then I went into it and I was like, look, I'll try it, see if I like it. And then here we are. Yeah, we, it's great, man. Because I have a pretty similar story too. Like I, I was like medicine all along, and uh, applied broadly, and, and got into like Melbourne, uh, Melbourne Med. And last minute, I I applied for dentistry just because it was a little bit easier to like because of yeah, those yeah, yeah. agreements, like to go back to Canada and like work. Uh, and I was like, I I remember I sat down with like a, a a friend of mine. His dad was a dentist, like growing up, and and I sat down with him, and we're like drawing out you know a career path of like medicine. You gotta do medicine, you gotta do residency, and then you gotta do this. And dentistry was like, you know, do dentistry work. And then at the time he's like, oh man, you're going to graduate and make like this much money. I'm like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I remember reading, I was like, this quote, which said something like, you know, remember that not getting what you want is sometimes a wonderful stroke of luck. Um, and then like, I, I, you know, if you asked me like, you know, five, six, seven years ago, if I would be doing you know, dentistry and like really loving it. Like I, I tell you were crazy because I hadn't ever considered it, but um, yeah, just, you know, things happen and it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, a lot of people listening to this will be new grads or, or in dental school now. And I'm curious, like I'm, you know, the past few episodes, I guess like a theme I'm like trying to like, you know, learn about or explore more is just like the mindset really people have, um, you know, a lot of people are talking about clinical stuff and, and I'm sure we'll touch on that as well, but uh, more so curious, like in your in your personality and your personality traits, and whether you know the job that you landed at dental school and just like the environment you were in in terms of other good associates that you had at the time when you first started and having a great mentor in place, how much of that was you know indicative of the success that you were about to have versus you just came out like I'm ready to go and regardless of where you would have kind of ended up, you would have found this path anyways. So I'm curious about like the, the nature versus nurture kind of debate of like post dentistry what's that been like i would say it's always very it's always an interesting thing to consider because i feel like you know uh, your first job is so important in terms of the environment um you're in uh, like people being supportive and you know it's always i think one of the most important things you know apart from your your own motivation is you know having a mentor <clears throat> um i had two very very good mentors when i 
got into my first job at a dental school, uh, Matt Casey and David Atia, <laughs> who, who you both know very well. Um, and they, I feel like, you know, not just the clinical excellence that they strive for, but just the mentality, um, we, we really clicked in. It was very similar. Um, you know, they're, they're so critical on themselves and they're so, um, driven <clears throat> that it was something that I really resonated with and I really liked. And it was, it was quite like, you know, there was always this energy where you're like, you know, we always want to be better, you know, you never want to be stagnant, but you always want to keep pushing and improving and, you know, doing something. Um, I mean, through, through dental school, I was always like, you know, pretty keen and I really, you know, as a person, I really enjoy learning things and I enjoy doing things for the first time. Um, like I remember there was a clinic camera in uni and I was always, um, the first time to sort of go grab it and like start trying to like, you know, take photos and stuff. I mean, the photos back then were really bad, (laughs) but, um, like it was just something that I was like interested in and I was like, man, I just really like seeing growth and I really like seeing um improvement if that makes sense <clears throat> um but yeah like you know uh, i've learned so much from being in that environment like you know um i mean it's not always super serious but like you know we, we always like to sort of chill and you know um take it easy but then it, the the um the mentality that you know the practice has we're very um very close knit like you know there, there's no i always say there's no egos there right you know, the, the more pairs of eyes are, are always better. And then we always throw, throw opinions around, you know, like even with um, surgeries and stuff, I always pull a photo up and I'll sit down with Matt and I'll say, look, you know, I'm ready. Like, hit me. <laughs> Just like, and he'll be like, okay, all I see are mistakes. <laughs> and he said, that to, he said that to me before. I remember there was one, one implant surgery that I, um, I think my first, my first GBR that I did with two simultaneous implants and, we closed it and I did the sutures and I was like super happy with it. Took some photos and before I let the patient go, I was like, hang on, just let me check with Matt. And I put the photos up and he was like, man, all I see are mistakes. Let's go re-suture. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> That's amazing though, to have that to level of support. And, and I, I mean, it speaks a lot to your character too, to like have the humility to like go put yourself in that situation. I think a lot of people who are like maybe unsure of their work kind of want to hide it away and not, not be exposed as, you know, making mistakes and things. So, uh, that's really cool. And, you know, I'm sure you get the good learning experience and, and having like such steady hands and experienced hands next door must be like reassuring as well when you're like pushing these boundaries a little bit and, and doing these like advanced big cases. Yeah. Like even just, you know, I feel like another nature of us nurturing is I feel like you really become like those around you. Um, like for example, Matt, Matt, my boss is really into, you know, his surgery and implants and wisdom teeth. And naturally I sort of, you know, gravitated towards that too. Cause I watched him and I'm like, man, this is really cool stuff. And like, I don't know, it's similar, I guess everyone is different, but similar things that you share. Like for me, I don't really enjoy endo very much. Um, and then, you know, it's sort of like common thing where we're like, we have endo, like, oh man, like, <laughs> well, like who booked this in and all that stuff. But like, you know, you, you sort of become um, very similar in that respect too. So tell, tell me a little bit about uh, you know, structured learning. Cause I, uh, you know, I was going through your Instagram uh, profile. You got like the PG dip and like ortho and like PG certs and implants and stuff that you're doing now. Um, and we'll talk about Coist as well. Cause we've, we've both kind of experienced that to some extent. So uh, when, when did these like structured pathways come into play for you? The first, I guess, major course that I did start um, fresh out of uni um, was EODO with Derek Mahoney, um, which is the three year, you know, mini residency in orthodontics and orthopedics. Um, that was, you know, really, really like, it was a big commitment, but it was really cool. 
Um, it was something where, you know, at the practice, you know, there was clinicians doing a lot of ortho. So I was like, man, this is always something I've wanted to incorporate into my practice. Like, I feel like, you know, for me being able to offer these options and like, you know, sometimes it's not just comprehensive or sometimes it's cases where, you know, you just open space for like an area where you can put an implant in or something. And I think that being like the multidisciplinary approach is really cool. Um, but EODO is something like the, the big structured learning course that I started. And that was pretty intensive because all the modules were in Sydney. So then it was a big commitment. Yeah, it was a big commitment, man, because I had to fly basically for three years, I had to fly once or twice a month um, to Sydney. So there were days where, because as part of EODA, you do do clinical days as well. So you see some of Derek's own patients and you, you actually like adjust braces and you put braces on and stuff. So there were days where it was pretty tiring because I would work in towns all Monday to um, Thursday. So Monday to Friday morning. And then Friday, like Friday afternoon, I would fly to Sydney have a rest like you know chill sleep and then i'd work saturday and sunday at derrick's and then sunday afternoon i fly back yeah monday rinse and repeat (laughs) (laughs) um but it was really good man like i feel like not not just with ortho but i highly recommend it to anyone considering um you know just becoming a better better clinician um i had a lot of messages actually after my last podcast with dan um about ortho in terms of like you know which course to do and stuff like that but i feel like you know um, like also is a big part of my practice too, but you know, it's, it's just changed how I see aesthetics. It's changed how I see, um, like how I treat kids. Like every, every kid that comes in is basically like a quick author consult. Cause I see things. It's great foundational knowledge for sure. Like understanding that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, um, I did, you know, EODO and I just finished that. I think, I think that was last year. Um, man, time flies. <laughs> And then the, I guess the other structured um, learning course, like with modules and stuff, was you know the PG cert with uh, Dr. Misag, which which you're a part of as well, which is um, you know a lot based on like implants and um, surgery and things, which is probably one of my one of my newfound passions. What made you chose that course over like some of the other implant courses available? That's a good question. I know Misag personally, he's, he's a lot of friend. He, you know, he's, he's very, very well known as being like one of, one of the most skilled clinicians, um, does a lot of really nice work, really, really nice guy. And I just, I was just chatting with him, um, cause he's friends with, with, um, Matt and a couple of other colleagues too. And then I thought, you know, I, I do want something that's quite, um, structured, something evidence-based, which you can sort of critique literature and, read through papers and stuff like that um because i was already placing implants at the time like i i I previously did you know some other live surgery courses and stuff a few years ago um but i think something i really wanted some you know some uh, something structured and something that would sort of keep me accountable you know yeah the accountability is a nice piece of that course i find like the weekly discussion posts and things it's a bit tedious sometimes to like have to do it all the time, but you're like, no, it's actually making me like do the reading and do some of the background research and stuff. So, uh, I think, I think what I'm learning now is like, we were so used to like the school curriculums and things like you're just like structure is so nice. Cause it takes the guesswork out of it. You just know, I got to do this. And they kind of just guide you through the learning process, which has been, yeah. Yeah. I was gonna ask you about Kois and you know, cause I know you went there and you like tripled up or something, right? Like oh, most, most of, most <laughs> of us go and like do the intro to like true implanting and occlusion. 
but you were like there for like a year it seemed like <laughs> <laughs> it felt like you know it was awesome man i love poise um because because when you went through did you did you just do the treatment planning module did you do treatment planning and functional inclusion uh, and functional inclusion yeah so I was yeah, there for yeah. The week. so yeah so i was there for basically like a month um I was like, you know, if I'm going to fly like 20 something hours to Seattle to do this, I was like, I might as well make the most of it. So I did, um, I'm pretty sure Coist has like nine or 10 modules and I did three modules. So two modules were the trim planning, the functional inclusion, and then one was the perio, um, perio restorative, I'm pretty sure, which is like crown lengthening and, you know, really um, evidence-based stuff on like biologic width and predictability and, you know, really, really cool techniques in terms of like, um, which option to choose when you're, when you're considering like crown lengthening. Um, I love course, man. Like I, I had an awesome time and I'm sure yeah, you, you've got it was, a lot of it was amazing time. Yeah, for sure. What was the perio course like in terms of, is it like hands-on as well? Cause the first two courses are more so theory than, um, obviously hands-on. There are some hands-on components, but, uh, what was the perio course like? Perio was pretty hands-on. Um, there were, there were a few different speakers. Um, obviously John, John course was one of the main speakers and he's an amazing person to listen to. Um, so inspiring. Um, Betsy Bakesman as well. I think the president of the AACD, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry was there too. Um, and we did a lot of hands-on in terms of, um, you know, techniques like sculpting an ovate pontic site. So like we, we've got, you know, I got gifted this burr kit, which, um, has different burrs and protocols for you to sort of prepare, um, an edentulous site for receiving like, you know, a pontic like with a cantilever bridge or a conventional bridge. Um, we did a lot of um, suturing with, you know, osseous crown lengthening. We did a lot of um, closed crown lengthening too. So there was these, this is something new that I learned that was really cool. There's these um, chisels or instruments that you can use to actually um, perform closed flap crown lengthening, but with, with bone reduction. So that was really cool. How does that work? It, it like crushes the bone or you're like your, your cutting bone or. Yeah. So it's sort of like a, it's, it's almost like a curette, right? It's almost like one of the grace who universal curettes, but it's, it's got this end where it's called the KB one and the KB two chisel. And you actually, um, you actually have to put quite a lot of force, but you basically, it has a, it has a safe end where you slip it under the gums, under the jugular margin. And then you really have to push and scrape to remove the bone. I mean, there's limitations obviously with, how much bone you can remove, but like in, in some cases where it's more conservative and you only need to recontour the bone a little bit. Um, it's really cool. But, but I, I found like the perio module was awesome for predictability, man. Like, you know, with, with John, he, everything he says is supportable, like five papers. <laughs> um, and then there, there's so many really cool principles where he said, look, you, you need predictability and, if you follow these principles, the gum margins and the bone levels, the biologic width will always be predictable. Like it will establish that area so that you, there's no guesswork. So that's, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to coming to the next ones, man. Uh, hopefully once all the stuff dies over. Yeah, for sure. Was there anything on like uh, soft tissue grafting and that kind of side of perio or? A little bit, a little bit. Um, but not as much. A lot of it was based on crown lengthening and sort of um, perio health and stuff. Okay, like the restorative interface. Yeah, perio, he did. Yeah. He did delve into some implant stuff with you know um, implant soft tissue management. Like he went through techniques like the roll flap, where you know you sort of get a free connected tissue graft out of an area where you sort of 
you, you raise a flap and then you deepithelize the upper layer and then you roll it so that you're tucking that, that tissue underneath and you're bulking it up. So that was cool. How, how did you, because it was weird, I, I did the course like right before I just kind of got into this like surgery residency that I'm doing. So I didn't have like much time to implement the, the treatment planning and the occlusion side of things. How did you like, did you, because there's a lot of content and I come back and I was like, it's like almost like it's too much to like take it all in. How have you like incorporated that uh, or do you go back and review the, the course notes and like your, your own notes? Like how did, what changed when you got back? I think a big thing that changed, like, you know, that, that especially from the course and that I'm always trying to improve on is communication. Like just listening to John sort of talk you through things and the way he, you know, he drops gems where he communicates things to patients. Like some of those ones I sort of just um, learned and tried to make my own as well. Um, I, I've been trying to review some of the notes just with, you know, um, some of the bigger cases like the rehabs and pros and using the programmer, but I've only had a few cases come up recently because it was a bit of an awkward time because I, I did um, COIS and I came back and then when I came back in like February, March, COVID sort of peaked. <laughs> so a lot, of the, a lot of the dentistry I was doing was, you know, a lot of those pros cases got pushed back. Um, but I mean, I, I've got some cases coming where we're, we're you know, trying to use deprogrammers or trying to, you know, I've just got, you know, different um, insight into the diagnosis and things. Um, I do have to review those notes though. Like it's... <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, there's, there's a lot to take in. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, all the, all the consent forms even, like all that, that stuff. The medical questionnaires and stuff are super useful. Yeah. yeah. And then just the way he thinks, like, you know, how he's, he goes through his, his um, checklist in terms of his order of how he diagnoses things. That's something which I've been trying to put into practice. I think, yeah, one of the, the main things I learned about from him was like how systemized he is about everything. Like nothing's, nothing's up to chance. Nothing's like unpredictable. Um, it's amazing, man. Like he lives like a very structured kind of life and he's just created like the perfect like environment for himself. What was your, uh, what was your go-to snack uh, at the lectures? Oh man. <laughs> the snack bar was amazing. Dude, uh, I, 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 I so, <laughs> you go in there with like the Middle Eastern mentality, like I get my money's worth here. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> oh man. And like, like everyone, like all the people that I met, they were super cool. And like, we, we've got this group chat with all the Kois fam who, who we just keep in contact. And then like, everyone's just like stashing snacks away. <laughs> Even like he's talking and it's like silent in the room. You just hear like crunching. <laughs> But um, no, I had to have to go for the iced coffees. Oh, dude, in the in the cans. Yeah, those are some big days, and I was like, man, when when in like the US, you know, do as they do. So then I was having having like a lot of the Starbucks coffees, and it was good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's great. What was uh, where'd you go in Seattle? What was like some of the highlights of uh, where you explored in the city? Seattle. I, I actually ended up making that trip a bit longer, so I actually went um around to a lot of the highlights in Seattle, like Pike Place and the markets and stuff like that. Um, I didn't travel much around Seattle when I was there because after that first course, I had basically three, four days off for the Perry module. So I actually like, um, you know, took the time to go to Portland because I really wanted to see, uh, I really wanted to see Portland, but I really wanted to see the trailblazers too. Yeah, nice. <laughs> so it was, it was my first time seeing a basketball game and I loved yeah. it. Yeah, literally, man. And then that was really cool because I saw um, the Blazers play Golden State. Oh, no way. Nice. This is uh, last year. Okay. So it's still, yeah. they're still a good team. Yeah. 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 So dude, this is the, the, um, most of the good players like Steph Curry and stuff, they were, they were sick or I mean, injured. Um, but then that game, like, 
uh, Damien put up like 61 points. Yeah. For, oh, I do know, remember this. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that game. And I was like, oh, I was so stoked to That's see it. Crazy, it was amazing. Man. Yeah. It's a great experience to go to an NBA game for sure. Oh man. Loved it. So you did the, so three courses. What's, so what's the next one you want to do? The question is when I'll, when I'll be able to actually get back, you know, with borders and stuff being closed. Right. Um, I, I was trying to tee up like, uh, I was trying to tee up like the biomechanics and the functional occlusion module the next two with some of the, the people that I went to the other modules with, but then, you know, that they, they were originally booked for like, I think November this year. And I was actually going to book it a few months ago, but I'm, um, you know, COVID happened and then, you know, it's sort of all up in the air at the moment. So I'm not, I'm actually not sure. I'm thinking maybe next year. Yeah. It's been tough. I guess it's tough to make these like long-term plans because there's so many like unknown variables and in, in planning these things. So, uh, okay, so we talked about the, the clinical mindset side of things a little bit. What's it, in terms of balance in your life, what kind of stuff do you do to one, like just like you know, cope with like the stress of work and, and blow off steam and that kind of thing. Um, and then, you, you know, you're, we talk, when I chat in the pre-interview, like, you know, you're focusing on your health and like that kind of stuff as well. Uh, how are you finding that balance now of like juggling like work and, you know, these super late days that you're doing at the office and planning these big cases. And then also like, you know, whether it's your social life or it's just like health and, and well-being, how do you kind of balance all that? Yeah. A funny joke at work is like most people think that I live at work. <laughs> They're like, how, how do you get enough sleep? And there's always this running joke that like Matt's going to like put in a bedroom or something for me soon. Cause I'm there so late. Um, yeah, it's something I'm definitely trying to work on. Cause I think balance is, is so important. You know, sometimes you just need as much as we love what we do, you know, it can't all be work. Like you've got, you've got to spend some time away and just refresh recharge. Cause there are, there are sometimes where like do dentistry, and I've realized this after a couple of years where I've been pushing so hard to improve is that dentistry is very emotionally taxing because we're working, yeah, we're working in such a tight, small environment, right? But then a lot of the anxieties and the nerves and the, the sort of insecurities that patients um, have, they actually project onto you. So then it, you sort of got to become, you know, you've got to be empathetic and you've got to be compassionate and understand them you've got to try not to take it on yourself because it can get pretty, it can get pretty intense in terms of some, some negativity, you know what I mean? Um, so I guess balance wise, like, you know, fitness is something that I've been really working on, um, since I got back from holidays. So when we were talking about before I started running, um, I've been running, trying to run like, you know, five Ks every single day. Um, especially when, when COVID happened and all the gyms and stuff were closed, like I was just running 5Ks, doing push-ups, doing sit-ups, like, you know, the home workouts. And that's, that's been really good because, like, not just, like, I, I enjoy going out while it's, like, and, like, you know, there's this nice river around where I live where, you know, it's a really nice view and then you, you pump some music and just sort of takes your mind off things. But then there are some times where, like, even it's good because I've got that half now to process my day or to think through and it's, it's almost sort of like meditating where, I'm running and then uh, you probably get this as well when you're, when you're running, but then I get, I think through things or like, for example, if I've got a big surgery the next day, I actually I'm running and I'm thinking about that and I'm imagining visualizing, sort of, it. Yeah. Yeah, visualizing. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, apart from that, man, basketball, basketball, basketball is my love. Basketball is life. We'll get, we'll get into some basketball. I'm a huge basketball fan too, as you know. So we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Running has been awesome, man. I, I, I've had like a long-term kind of relationship with it and I've, I've always done it in the past, like more so cause I was like a soccer player and I did it there and it wasn't something that like I particularly enjoyed doing, but it just, it was just like something you had to do at the time. And then uh, during dental school, I had a friend of mine 
uh, one of my classmates that convinced me to start like running and we like trained up and we actually did the uh, Gold Coast Marathon like in five, like five, six years ago now. And then I, how, after how long it, was that? Uh, so it was like the 42.2K. Oh, yeah, wow. Gold Coast. So I did, like I trained up for that. I did that. And then literally for four or five years, I just did not, I, I don't think I ran once after that. I was just like kind of over it. And then I started, I started <laughs> up again. Yeah. <laughs> I started up again last year and like this past maybe, you know, year, especially like you said, with COVID and everything, like just having more time on our hands and um, it's been great. I, I enjoy it. Like you said, it's very meditative in that sense. Uh, you get to go out and like think about things or strategize or like visualize like procedures and stuff that you're doing. And it, it teaches you a lot about like, patience and like you know resilience because it's you know you don't you, you don't just go out and run like a 10k or 20k like on your first attempt like it takes time to build it up and and build up the endurance and i've i've i'm realizing that i can like these lessons you can like attribute to like dentistry where i was like you're not going to master like a uh, implants in like a week or a month or um you got to put in the dues right you gotta like do it like day after day and like gradually you'll kind of see improvement so yeah you gotta crawl before you can bowl yeah <laughs> It's exactly right because, like, with with running, it's you know when I started running the first like day or two, I had to stop. Like, I remember I stopped three times, and I was like, "Man, all right, tomorrow I'm only going to stop like two times. I'm going to stop once, and the next day I only stopped once, and then the third day didn't stop at all, and I haven't stopped since." And now you're getting faster and faster. And yeah, it's like it's that that really you know I, I really enjoy. Like, obviously, there's a certain level of like competitiveness or like drive that you like have to have to you know push yourself in like dentistry. Um, do you find you're able to like apply that same type of drive to other things in life? Like, is it just like a personality type that you just want to be good at whatever you do? Or is there areas where you're just like, oh, I don't care if I'm like mediocre? Uh, oh, for sure, man. Like I, I'm always the type of guy where like, you know, I, I'm very competitive um, in the sense that like, you know, if I'm going to put my time and my effort and my heart and my soul into it, like I want to be, I want to be, be the best version of myself or I want to like, that I'm doing well to make myself proud. Um, even just basketball and like, you know, we, we play competitive like Wednesday nights and sometimes it's, it's you know, I, I've had a big day and I just want to like chill. But then once you get into it, I'm like, man, I, I really want to win. <laughs> so it's something which, uh, I don't know, like it, it's competitive. My competitive nature is something which I've always had. Like I'm, I've, I always just want to, I don't want to just be average or I don't want to just be mediocre. Like I just want to, actually push myself and be better yeah that's a great mindset what uh what position do you play in basketball uh mainly plays a shooting guard yeah you're a good show yeah. <laughs> oh, i try man sometimes uh like that that or a forward like right now the team that we got i'm i'm basically one of the taller guys so i'm playing playing as a forward okay nice <laughs> so yeah it's it's good man i enjoy stretch it. five <laughs> <laughs> yeah literally point forward <laughs> Yeah, Draymond Green out there, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> that's great. So, are you? How are you enjoying like the uh, the NBA bubble being back? Man, I was so productive for like three, four months when the NBA kind of got halted. I was like getting all these things done, and then like a month ago, like uh, NBA comes back, and like there goes all my productivity. Like, yeah, yeah. I've been watching. I haven't been watching some of the games though. Like, I haven't had time, but I've uh, been watching some of the highlights. What, what what games have you been watching? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm a Raptors fan, obviously. So I, I try and watch like the Raptor games. And then I obviously just like, there's good highlights on YouTube and stuff. Like, um, so I try and like House of Highlights and like Zemo Pierto and like all those kind of guys, like uh, watch the highlights. But uh, it's been cool. It's just, it's an interesting, it's an interesting environment that they've kind of like conjured up uh, with the bubble and everything like that. So I'm um, watching like, uh, it's like Matisse Tybal, obviously, like his vlog of the bubble life. Ah, not, uh, not check yet. Check it either. out, man. 
It's really good. He's done. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's like a he's a rookie on the Sixers. Yeah. Um, it's really it's like a nice perspective on like what it's like to be in the bubble and stuff like that, which is because uh, mm-hmm. they're playing they're playing with no spectators. Hey, they're playing in an empty stadium. They got virtual fans and kind of stuff like that. So oh yeah, wow, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a, a weird environment. So what's like what's five investments you've made in yourself over the past or since you graduated that have been like super high yield for you, and and would you recommend them to other people? Five investments. Do you mean investments like courses or yeah, courses? Um, tools gadgets um like time whatever uh it doesn't have to be like necessarily ex- expensive things or you know like it could be like buying a camera or mm, that's a that's an interesting question um for some of the dental things like definitely like number one i would say uh camera like i i initially started off with you know just some random lens and some old camera that my cousin gave me because he's a photographer and then i just started like shooting and then i as you sort of get into it you sort of get into this wormhole, like, you know, you keep wanting to improve your photography and you see other people's photography, you're like, man, how do I do that? You get a different lens, you get different, like, diffuses, you get different flashes. I've even bought, like, you know, softbox and stuff that I want to try and use in surgery. But camera is, like, you know, one of the biggest investments because uh, documentation, I, I tell this to everyone, man, documentation is so important. Not even just um, for just, like, having a record, but it's for your self-improvement too. Like, you know, in my first year, I, I um, did a lot of crowns and I did a lot of like general dentistry, like resins and, you know, basic soccer graphs and stuff. And I was always taking, I always made the liberty to take photos of every important step. Um, and I would add like, you know, 15 minutes to the appointment if, if, if it needed, um, just so that I could, you know, relax without that time pressure and really like take the photo, put the photo up, see if I've removed all the caries and stuff like that, and then continue. So I think that's that's so important to, for, for your growth. And even just like some of the aesthetic photos, like shade matching, like, you know, I've got, um, I end up buying another camera um, and I've got like one ring flash set up. I've got one twin flash set up. Um, and I sort of use them interchangeably for different things. Like it's so important for even communicating with your with your lab for like shade photography and, you know, sending them like photos to, to help. Yeah, uh, I guess the, the second one I would say is definitely a pair of good loops. And I know this is pretty cliche, but like you really need to see, man. Like uh, the, <laughs> these days, we, when I take my loops off and I look in the mouth, I'm like, holy crap, like how did I. Like without the light, too. Like the light's so important, yeah. like the headlight. Literally, like like the headlight. Sometimes I, I'll forget that the surgery light is there. Um, but then the headlight is so important because it just illuminates everything. And then you're like, wow, I can see. <laughs> what, uh, what loops do you have? I had in my second year of uni, I had the oroscopic three times, which I. Second last year of uni, sorry. Um, and I had that for about a year. And then I recently got the oroscoptic eye zooms. Okay. The ones like adjustable? Yeah. They're the ones where you go three times, four times, and five times. Um, and I've been training myself to like, initially I would just use, excuse me, I would just use like three times for like hygiene or something, get used to it. And I would use like four times for like, you know, restorative or pros and I use five times for endo. Now I'm trying to train my, I've sort of tra- trained myself to use five times for everything um because it's a bit it's 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 a bit heavy compared to my old one so it was, took a bit of time to get used to it, but then i've trained myself to do hygiene under five times like i do extraction surgery and stuff under four or five times and then that way like i can just you just see all the detail considering the hours and stuff you work and how do you take care of your like back and body and stuff like how's your like angle declination on the loops 
Because that's like, that's a big area of, especially with the loops, especially with, I have like the older oroscopics that I got in dental school as well. And the angle of declination is like really not great. So I'm like really like hunched over to kind of see like what I need to see. And I, it's, it takes a big toll like physically. Yeah, um, it, it definitely does, man. Like I feel like, you know, neck pain, back pain and stuff like that, even just like where your wrists and your shoulders are, is, you know, people often, you know, you always have this mentality or I had this mentality too where, you go through it and you're like, oh, you know, just one more appointment, like, you know, another 10 minutes, like, well, I just finished the prep and you sort of get into all these weird angles. And sometimes I do that. Like, I'm, I'm not proud of it. Sometimes my posture will be pretty bad if I'm just really trying to get something. But these days I'd really try and just stretch and move during the day. Um, basketball, um, workouts and stuff, like gymming really helps to like build, build the core. And I'm, I'm trying to actually, like, I had a lot of recommendations for people to get into like Pilates. So I haven't tried that yet, but I, I am keen to like give it a go. Like, I don't know if I'm very flexible, but I'm like, everyone says that, you know, once they did Pilates, like their, their core um, is just so strong and then they, they basically have like a minimal back pain. Um, but yeah, like uh, with, with the loops, uh, you know, it's the, the angle of declination is, is something where it's, it's pretty steep, but then I think you sort of get used to it and you find where you're comfortable. All right. So that's uh, photography. Two is magnification and being able to see Courses, I would definitely say EODO has been one of the, the um, great investments I've done. Um, another course that I can think of is um, Columbia. So I did the MIS live surgery course in Columbia, where um, over like, you know, a week or two, you place 20 implants and you do two sinus lifts. That was really cool because I, I did that second year out. So that's, that was in 2018. Um, and I was already, I, I was sort of just doing a lot of soccer graphs and, you know, just more so like surgery, just extractions and stuff. I wasn't really placing a lot of implants then, but then that really improved um, my confidence in terms of, you know, you, you get comfortable just raising flaps and you get comfortable um, like putting the implant in or just like, I think the more time that you spend seeing it and immersing yourself in that surgery really helps your mindset, your mentality. Like you're not, you're not scared to, they cut that flap, but you're not scared to raise something like that anymore. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I don't know what your experience like with with a lot of the surgery stuff is. Like I'm sure you've seen a lot with your resident residency too. Yeah, I think that, I mean I, I couldn't agree more with the the comfort zone with like raising flaps and managing tissues and managing like even you know having the support there now. And I'm sure with the course you're doing, like having a like ex, like experienced set of eyes there to help you out with it if you get stuck and, and and just getting the repetitions in but i you know when you're in that surgical mindset now it's like every like almost like train us up to like just make every surgical like every extraction just a surgical anyways like even if you're not going to like do a full like full thickness like three side of flap like you just do a crystal release to like you know release the papilla just to like reduce soft tissue trauma and like just like clean work like sound surgical principles um i think that stuff is like it's hard to replicate you need the you need someone to, like, to teach you that Mm-hmm. You actually need to like see it and someone to like hold your hand and, and do it for you to sort of get it, you know? That's pretty cool though. So you went there, you placed implants, two sinus lifts, and then uh, you came back and just like started doing, implementing it right away or? Yeah, like, you, you know, like not, not straight away. Like I was obviously, you know, like very careful and, you know, you always try and do things that, you know, you're comfortable with. You know, so a lot of the surgery, like over there in Columbia, we had a lot of direct mentorship, like, you know, there was a perio or there was an oral surgeon who was, or a Max Sachs who was standing there and holding your hand the whole time. Like they would do a little bit and then they'd show you and they're like, okay, now you do this. So then it was really cool to sort of be guided through that. Um, but coming back, you know, I started with, you know, I always think 
starting with the basics is really important. Um, so I started placing like simple implants and, you know, uh, trying, trying to like come in and assist my boss when he was doing surgery and trying to sort of take more photos and read more and things like that. So it just, it sort of just piqued my interest a lot with, um, with like surgery and like, I feel like it just like, once you have that passion, it opens up new doors, you know, you like, you think of it just as implants or like a soccer graph, but then you learn more about, you know, like different flap techniques, like splitting a flap. And then you learn about, you know, bone graphs and soft tissue graphs. And then you just keep, you keep delving in deeper. So like, I think it's really cool, man. Did you have cases lined up before you went to this course? Like, did you have like, cause I, you know, I'm, you're lucky that you're in a good practice and your boss does a lot of implants. So like the infrastructure is there. So it's kind of easy to like implement. If it's not though, like, do you, like, how do you see people or do you know people who like have worked in a practice where their principal wasn't doing implants and then they went and did something and then brought it back? Did they have cases lined up ready to go? Cause you don't, you don't want to do a course, come back and then you're staying there for like three, four months, not doing a surgery. Cause then you, if you don't get it implemented, then you sort of, you lose it, you know? Um, definitely, man. Like I, I had some, I had a few simple cases lined up. Like my, the first case that I did back home was a GA case and I placed two implants. Um, and then it was good that it was GA because the patient was obviously nervous and it was good because it was GA so that they were comfortable. And then my boss was there as well. So we sort of, you know, discussed the case and we, like I did the case and he assisted me and stuff. So that was really cool. Um, I did, I, I did know a couple of, um, good friends who I met during Columbia who, um, you know, one guy, he, his practice didn't place any implants. Um, and then where he works in, uh, I think, you know, he works in like a rural town. He, they don't have any specialists or stuff in that area. So then it was a bit of a bit of a journey to, to get everything set up because obviously all that componentry and picking a system and getting all the implant motors and all the equipment is, is pretty, is, is a big investment um, for when you're just starting out. But then I feel like depending on which implant company you go with, like they, they do help you out a lot. Like they, they come um, and help you with your first case and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it can be difficult, man. Like it, it's made the transition for me a lot easier because, um, you know, at the practice I'm at, we already place a lot of different implant systems and we've got different kits. Like we've got um, a lot of cool toys, like, you know, Versa, like the, the osteodentification drills. We've got, you know, the APRF, IPRF, the venipuncture stuff and things like that. Um, so that, that really helps because then you're like, you know, oh, it's, it's there and you, it's, it's comforting to know that you've got that option there to, use it it's nice to have the tools and, and there's a lot there's a bit of security as well uh like i know my, where i used to work before this job like my boss had a lot of endo so every time i would do endo like you just had all the cool gadgets that you would just see like on like, like the <laughs> ultrasonics and like all that kind of stuff oh yeah yeah, yeah. okay like it's, it's like <laughs> even though i'm not really particularly good at it at least the tools are there so it's good to yeah but but it makes it more interesting right like if you got if you got the tools there you're like man i just want to like use this like i think it's cool <laughs> yeah yeah that's right so what's your what's your goal then? Like, I mean, you're you're growing at a good rate. You're in a good place. Like you said, you're you're kind of over. You know, you've stayed at this practice longer than you thought you would originally stay. Because um, presumably, you're like you're learning and you're still growing. Where do you want to kind of take things over the next few years? Um, good question. Like, uh, I, I've always thought about this a lot in terms of the future, and you know, uh, I don't know what the future holds. Um, Right now, I can like my interest in dentistry. I mean, I used to do, I still do a fair bit of ortho in my practice. I can do a lot of early ortho. I do a lot of, you know, comprehensive ortho. Um, I, I am getting a bit more into like Invisalign and aesthetics and those pros cases because I really enjoy those. Um, I think right now, what, one of my big goals is just to, to get better at surgery. 
um, not just like extractions or wisdom teeth and stuff like that's that's something that I really enjoyed, but mainly learning more soft tissue stuff, learning more bone grafting that, you know, you can, you've got those tools in the toolbox that you can actually um, rehabilitate, you know, someone who's, who's missing a lot of teeth. Cause we, we had this one period where we were getting all these consults from um, people who have like neglected their teeth and health for like, you know, 15, 20, 30 years. And then that, 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 you know, that, oral health is is not good. Like they've got multiple missing teeth. They've only got a few teeth left, so much perio and stuff going on. And then they're like, man, I really want a comfortable option. Um, so then it, it's really cool. I think to, to, you know, we've had a few patients that I've worked together with my boss and I've sort of seen the journey that they go on and they just change into this. Like it's the most amazing transformation where they come in and you've got those pre-op photos of them. Like, you know, they, they don't even smile like you. It's, you try so hard to get that smile photo. And then at the end, they walk out and they're just oozing confidence. You know, they're just like, they're, they're just beaming. They, they love their smile. They're like, show all their friends and family. And I think that is really cool. Um, so I would love to do, I would love to learn more and do more of that um, rehabilitative sort of work. It comes with patience, right? Like you gotta, like, like, and you're doing it the right way. You're not just jumping into it. You're like, you really like of, of people that I know of like young clinicians that I know of like similar kind of, you know, in terms of like years of practice that we've been doing, uh, not many people who've done as much foundational stuff as you've done. So I think it's, you're in a good place to do it safely, to do it predictably and to get like good outcomes. So I'm excited to kind of see that kind of growth. Uh, the, I guess the last thing I wanted to touch on with you was like social media and, and you know, the role, the positive, like pros and cons of it, the what it's meant for, for dentistry, what it's meant for like young grads, uh, what it's meant for like entrepreneurship. I think like Australia is like crazy. Like I, I, was, I was talking to uh, David who I run like, you know, I have CPD junkie and stuff with. And it's like, I don't see in Canada, like, I mean, Canada and Australia have like similar populations in terms of like dentists and, and general population. But the amount of like entrepreneurship, like in Australia per capita per dentist is like... <laughs> Every dentist is like running courses. Every dentist is like an influencer. Like, it's it's crazy, man. Um, so what's like? What I mean, what's how? What's Instagram and I guess to a lesser extent like Facebook meant to you? Like in the last like say like two years? Hmm. Yeah. Um. Good question, man. Like I, I feel like with Instagram, I mean the reason why I sort of started posting and stuff initially is because you know not just because I was seeing a lot of guys posting, um, like really really cool stuff, but then I, I think it was. For me, Instagram's always been like a personal diary in sorts. Like I, I like, I always like to look back and sort of take a trip down memory lane and see where I was six months ago, so, or see where I was like three years ago. And for me, it was like a, it was a dental journey to document my growth, which is something that I'm really passionate about. Um, so then, like you know, with social media, like I would post up, you know, cases, um, you know, and then try and sort of. I feel like if you're going to take a photo, if you're going to put it on Instagram, then it does give you a bit of accountability too. Like you've got to, you know, it takes a bit of, um, I don't know if confidence is the right word, but it takes, it takes balls to sort of, yeah, like put up a photo of your work that's zoomed in and like, you know, that so many people will look at it and they'll, they'll, they will judge you and they will critique you for it. So I think from that respect, it's, it's been interesting. Um, I definitely, um, think that Instagram has been awesome because I've met so many people like yourself and 
like, you know, it's brought so many people together and we've connected and, you know, I, I even speak to like some of the guys, um, like in different countries, like in the UK or in the US and like, you know, we, we sort of, uh, I've picked their brains before about cases too. Like sometimes I'll post something on the story and I'm like, Hey, you know, can you tell me a bit more about that? And I think that's, that's awesome. Um, and it's always this like weird thing where like, you know, can you learn something from Instagram and, or like, can you learn something from, you know, just, do you know what I mean? <clears throat> but I, I think that, that it bringing people together and like, you know, being finding like that, that safe place where like you, you, you've got this network of colleagues who do support you. And then, um, it's really cool to have that too. Like there, there are a lot of people and friends and stuff who I talk on Instagram and we regularly talk about cases, but it's not just clinical all the time. Like, you know, we talk about sometimes like we've got this group message and sometimes people put up and like, man, I've just had like the shittest stressful, most stressful week in you know, it's good to like, you know, that people are in the same situation. Yeah. That you're not community. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, like we were saying before, man, dentistry can be so isolating that it's important for us to remember that, you know, it's, you know, there's people and friends all around us. And that's like, that's when the, the human side of it comes in. Cause the, on the superficial like aspect of Instagram, it's my amazing case, my amazing, this, my amazing, that. like, like, you know, the, 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 it's not like a original thought, but like the, the sentiment that like, it's like, everyone's like highlight reel that you're just seeing like day to day, like not seeing necessarily the grind or like the mistakes or the work that goes into like preparing those cases and things like that. Um, yeah, it's been good, man. I, it's, it's amazing to me how much it's grown. Like, you know, by no way means was that like, you know, an early adopter or anything. But what I remember like when I got onto like dentistry, Instagram and like finally your dental school, like 2016, 2015, it was like bloody tooth guy was like, and then, like <laughs> oh, yeah, a few, yeah. few other people. And like, it was like very, very early days. Right. And then when I, even when I first started the podcast, I feel like I was active enough and this community was like small enough where I had a good pulse of like who's out there and who's doing what. And now it's just like, it's too much. Like I can't even like comprehend, like there's like every dentist has a page. Like there's all these like amazing like people like producing so much work and it's, it's hard to like keep track of it. So I'm just, um, so I've got to the point where I, I missed the relationships because I've kind of taken a step away from just like, like actively kind of posting and like sharing stuff like on a day-to-day basis and i do miss what you said earlier of like having those personal relationships checking in on people um and sharing with the community but it's i think on, it's a net positive overall i think there's like there's some downsides to it as well in terms of um either people maybe like getting formal of like not doing certain things or 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 thinking that certain levels of dentistry are like more achievable than they are like not seeing the work that goes into it I think that's a big part of it too. Like, into like, I definitely agree with it being a net positive. But I think a lot of like questions that I get too, and like a lot of what we face too is, you know, someone posts some amazing case or some like sick ass photo. You're like, holy shit! Like, how do I get to that point? But I feel like, like, I, I get reminded of this daily by my boss and by like, you know, other colleagues who I look up to and who inspire me too. It's, it's, you know, not about comparing yourself to others. It's about comparing yourself to yourself. Um. Like, you know, there was this... That's the winner's mindset, really. Yeah, there was this thing I read where, like, you know, like, if you're building a house, you don't focus on building the house first, right? Or you, you don't go in on day one, you say, look, I'm going to build this house perfectly. What you do is you you start, like, with the foundation. So you pick up a brick and, you know, you look at the brick and you're like, okay, well, how can I place this brick as perfectly as a brick can be placed? And then if you do that every day, then, after, like, before you know it, you've learned how to build that house or like that house is like flourishing. Do you know what I mean? So I think it's, it's those, it's, I get it too, in terms of like, you get impatient and you really want to like do those cases, but run your own race. Like that, 
that's that's the most important thing I've learned too. That's I love that man. I think that's such an important testament. I uh, I started doing these like little like five six minute like little episodes, and I just did I just did one like yesterday, and it was like it was like a Bill Gates it's like a Bill Gates quote. It's called like uh, people people overestimate what they can do in a year and underestimate what they can do in a decade. And it's, oh man, I love that. It it fits into that like same point where you know we can't be impatient, and a lot of dentists on Instagram now aren't like young guys. You know they're like professors and like um, like all these like massive like specialists around the world. And you're scrolling through and you don't know necessarily who's who. And like, you'll just see something like, Jesus, like, <laughs> and you don't know this guy's been practicing for like 20 years or like Misog, for example, like when you start posting his cases, it's like, it's insane work, but it didn't come overnight. Right. Like it's been something that he's been, he's been working towards like for, for decades. And he's so humble, man. He's so humble. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I think, yeah, I think overall net positive, I think it's important to, I think use it, use it as a tool. Like you, like you do, like you mentioned, like, try and get advice, try and reach out to people and try and pick their brains about cases and stuff. Um, but I love that sentiment of, that you mentioned. And I think it's a really important maturing point that a lot of us get to is just compare yourself to yourself, like focus on your own growth versus what's, what's, you know, what's Andrew doing? Like, oh man, he like, his compass is better than my compass. What the hell? Like, um, just look at your own photos and be like, okay, how can I get it better? Like next time? And like, I think that's a healthier approach as well. Yeah, that, that's very true. <laughs> Good stuff, man. So what's, um, so Talked about some of that plans. What do you like? Do you have any? I guess it's like, I don't want to ask you this on the, on the podcast, but like in terms of like the business side of things or like practice ownership, is that something that you're interested in down the line at some point, or uh, you're happy just focus on the clinical aspect of things? Good, good question, man. Like I, I always um, envisioned myself to be a practice owner, and I'm like, yeah, I think it would really be cool to have my own, like my own baby in terms of like you know something that you built up or something you call yourself, you call call itself your own. <laughs> um, but I think COVID really opened my eyes a lot with like, <laughs> like, honestly, like I was, I was, you know, COVID was a hard time for everything, but I feel like COVID was especially so such a stressful time for practice owners, man. And seeing that firsthand with my boss, I'm just like, you know, um, I'm happy to be the associate for a while. just like sort of do my own thing and not have to worry too much about all the politics and the practice and, you know, work stress and, you know, uh, you know, paying the bills and all that stuff. Cause like right now, I, I think for me, the focus is on just clinical dentistry. Um, I think eventually, I mean, uh, I've, I've spoken to my brother um, briefly on some plans in terms of like, whether we want to start something up together in the future, maybe, which I think will be really cool. Kind um, of, but uh, I don't know. What kind of physician is he? So he's a GP. Okay. That works out pretty well then. Yeah. So like he was playing with the idea of like, you know, he wanted to open up practice and like, Oh, should we do this together? And I, I was like, man, that's a really cool idea. But, um, I don't think I really want to do that now. Yeah. I think everything comes with time. Right. And you seem to be, you seem, you seem to be taking like the right steps in your career. So don't rush it at this point. Um, keep learning clinically and, and growing that way. What's your, what's your focus for, I guess 2020 has been a bit of a wash year like for everyone, but what's what's your like what's your clinical focus for 2021 i want to start doing some full arch stuff so just like you know like over dentures and you know fixed hybrids and stuff like that like that's something that i i've always wanted to do but i've I've been so impatient with it i'm like look i'm just gonna wait and do simple stuff and like build get to that point but that's something that i'm i'm really wanting to learn more about um that and like stuff like soft tissue grafting like Tunneling is something that I really would like to learn more about too. Yeah. What's a good course for that? Have you reached out to anyone who's like kind of doing that kind of stuff and have any recommendations? 
in terms of tunneling or full arch stuff? Uh, in terms of like soft tissue grafting, like tunneling and soft tissue grafting, I've heard really, really good things about Pat Allen's course, um, as well as you know Pat Allen, who's in the US. Um, I think he's come to Australia before. I don't know if he's coming anytime soon. The other one that I've heard of is um, like Lincoln Harris's. I, I don't know if he's still running it, but the soft tissue grafting course that he that he used to run. Um, I was originally like booked in to, to learn from Ricardo Kern as well. Um, who is amazing. Like he's a master, master of, of soft tissue and implants and all things surgical. But then that got postponed, unfortunately. So I'm excited to actually um, go to that when that. Awesome, man. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure catching up with you. And I've, I've really enjoyed the, you know, your journey. And uh, you know, I like checking in on Instagram, seeing your cases and everything. Uh, and I'm, I'm really happy to see you like, you know, fit and ha- happy and active and everything as well, which I, um, I think it's really important and uh, it's a big part of my life. So I, I always like when other people are kind of thinking, looking after themselves outside of work as well, which is uh, <laughs> equally, important, if not more important. I guess the last thing I'll ask you is, you know, we talked about social media a little bit is, I guess, what's your like top three accounts that you follow? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Get a political admission. <laughs> yeah, this is like, you know, who do you say? Um, I, I would definitely say um, Perio Jess like amazing, like really, really knowledgeable guy, really, really funny guy who does just amazing work. Um, Phil Walton, really, really enjoyed. Like he's, he's a such great a nice guy. I've got him on the yeah. podcast previously, a great guy. Yeah, love his stories, man. Like I love seeing what he does and, and all the cases he does. And I would say Benedontix. I, I love seeing his his grafting, man. Like the cases, I'm just like. I had a, I, I went to like DIA, like after course when I went, Oh yeah, you did. Uh, hey, how was yeah, that? Yeah, that was awesome, man. And he was there. He was one of the one of like the breakout sessions that I went. Um, it's amazing work. No, that was that was like a. It was really interesting because it, it was I was still like very much active like when I was it was early days and it was like all those like you know, SF dental nerd and PNWOMS and I was it was those guys that I had like good kind of relationships with over Instagram and then to meet everyone in person is just like such a weird like trippy experience uh, to be in a room with all these people who like you know relatively well but like obviously like you've never. They're a matter person. So was everyone like how, how they seemed, or like was it like it was? It, they would have been pretty similar to how they are like online, right? Yeah, for sure. I don't think there was anyone that was like taken aback, like oh, is that the same person? Like, um, no, it was really cool, dude. I met like Blade Tooth guy there as well, which is like awesome. And oh man, legend. Um, yeah, great guy. So I think yeah, hopefully like I'm I'm think I think they're doing it virtually this year because of everything going on. But um, I would definitely recommend the uh, the next one that runs to definitely head over and check out. Oh, for sure, man. <laughs> And you'll oh, you'll be on stage by then. Uh, Andrew's all in for protocol or something. <laughs> oh, dude, I wish. <laughs> but it would be a, such a good time. Yeah, if you um, if uh, Alex Fabishenko runs his all in for residency, that was a really cool thing to uh, come and check out. So keep your eye on. Oh yeah, because you, you attended that, didn't you? Yeah, it was really awesome. And he he was like nice enough to like offer to uh, to for me to attend it. Um, I got to, yeah. So we did it last year. It was a bit over my head in terms of like I wasn't you know I'm not even placing implants yet, but I think just the surgical principles, like I've never seen anyone work so like cleanly and efficiently. So, uh, I think if you ever get the opportunity to like spend time with them, uh, definitely worthwhile. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah. Awesome, buddy. Thanks a lot for coming on, man. I really appreciate, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, stay in touch. If there's anything I can help out with, uh, let me know. Oh, for sure, man. Likewise, stay safe, man. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Newbie Dentist Podcast. 
please be sure to subscribe and head over to iTunes and give the show a five-star rating. For all show notes and to access all previous episodes, head over to www.newbydentist.com. Have a great day.